<laughs> Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Here we go indeed, every time. Welcome to the Two Tongues Podcast, where we separate the game from the truth (laughs) each and every time. Welcome back on the podcast, my brother Josh. What's up, Josh? What's up, Mike? Not much. Um, it It is a very early podcast, although Kyle and I always do these podcasts early, although they've gotten earlier. Yeah. I feel like we should. I feel like you should come even earlier, and we should make breakfast together. That'd be cool. And have a nice meal, you know. Yeah, I've noticed. I've noticed they've been much earlier lately. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because we just want to get it out of the way, so it's at least disruptive for the house for the rest of the day. Yep. And Kyle's on board with that. Yep, I'm an early riser, no problem. <clears throat> I love being. I, I love waking up early. I don't know how you are, Josh. I know your brother wakes up early, uh, but man. The days where I used to sleep till like noon, I I can't I can't abide by that anymore. Just having well for like 15, for like fifteen years, I had to be up at five and be at work by five thirty. Yep. So I did that for years, and now I'm getting up at nine thirty. That's pretty. It's good. like the latest I can sleep. Most of the time it's nine o'clock, but uh, usually by then you guys are already doing it. Oh yeah. Like I, you know what I mean. Like I was going to be on the finale of last season, yep. and when I got when I got the call to do it, I had a fucking headache because I just woke up. It was like nine fifteen or something. I'd been up for like eight minutes, and I just wasn't ready. I hadn't had coffee, or you know what I mean. Oh uh, yeah, excuses, excuses. But but a better excuse is that fuck uh, you, fuck you. A, a, be, a better excuse is that Josh doesn't sleep very well, so. Yeah. I mean, no, I know that's true. He describes sometimes where he doesn't really sleep for days, and then he'll have a hard sleep. Yep, I can't imagine. I went four. I went four days without sleep once. Fuck. Just just like a month ago. You gotta love that. You start getting delirious, and did you? You did, can't think. You, yeah. can't, you can't put sentences together. Dude. It's for crazy. Sure. Yeah. Did you Did you see anything that wasn't there? No, I didn't see anything. But I tell you, what crazy thing happened was. On the fourth day, I'm sitting here just watching TV, and I started having like these seizure-like involuntary movements. Whoa! And my like, yeah, and my like neck and eyes and fucking jaw and fingers and shit like it freaked me out, dude. That's crazy. And that all went away after yeah. that, after you got some sleep. Yeah, it went away. So listen, the best, but not to change it, not to change the subject. But I want to talk about something right away. Did anybody? Did anybody see the uh, Masvidal Cunnington fight? I, I didn't. I didn't watch it. I saw the hi- the highlights this morning. So who won the fight? Covington. 
it was a it was a decision. If, you know, if it went all five rounds. And uh, if, oh. if you read the articles, they, they said that Colby Covington dominated Masvidal, which surprises me. It does yeah, surprise Masvidal's me. Masvidal's not well, a joke. Masvidal's not a joke, but he's, isn't he five years older? Yeah, yeah, he was five years older, yeah. That plays a part. I'm 41, dude. It shit starts to wear on you. For sure. I'm, 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 You're not spry no more. No, I'm, see, I'm, I'm recognizing that I myself, yeah. Yep. So, Josh, when... Uh, when when my first daughter was born, I, I was trying to be a Superman, you know, because you don't know what you don't you don't know where your limits are till you have kids, man. And I'm trying to be a Superman and take care of shit. And uh, as a result, I I basically didn't sleep for like two or three days in the in the hospital before we got to come home. And when I drove home, I felt like I was 25% aware, like I was operating on 25% of my brain. Um, I went up on the curb. Um, when we were leaving the hospital complex, you know, with the, with the new with the newborn baby, you went up on the curb with the newborn in the with car. The newborn in the car. That's the first thing I did. It was as soon as I hit the gas. Welcome that was the Earth. first thing that, that <laughs> exactly. So, but but I know what you mean, man. It's like um, I was driving under street street signs on the freeway, and I I, did, I didn't know what they said. I, c- I couldn't tell you what they said. It's crazy, you know. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's another my fault. Not to, you know, I got ADD. I'm all over the place. Uh-uh. Uh, sticking with the UFC shit. Did y'all hear about Kane Velasquez murdering that dude? What? Kane uh, Velasquez killed someone? I thought, I thought it was attempted murder. He didn't actually kill him. Nah, nah. He killed the father with a gun. What? He was going after. He was going after the son because the somebody the molested. son molested his four year old daughter a oh. hundred times. Well, never mind. My oh. my, I just flipped completely. Good for Kane Velasquez. Why didn't Kane just use his yeah. hands? He would have less jail well, time. Well, I, I wish he would have used his hands too, but you molest my four-year-old daughter once, let alone a hundred times. Your whole family. Oh yeah, you're. Oh yeah. yeah. That sucks that he's gonna get put away for that. I mean, you know. You, you know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Isn't that the best defense you could ever have? You would think, in a moralistic sense, but like just the way laws work and stuff. I, I mean, he probably won't go to. I don't know. I'm not Hold a on, lawyer, wait, but wait, this is in Mexico, right? Oh, is it in Mexico? Is this in Mexico, Joe? I don't know. They didn't say. I didn't hear that. When they Hopefully, it is because that changes at. things. Yeah, he's got money. That he's fine. He'll yeah. be out of there tomorrow. Yeah, he can buy his way out of prison in Mexico. Huh? For sure. Yeah, that changes <laughs> so, things a so, lot. Hold on, I gotta inject interject something while we're talking about revenge. So my my dude Jordan Peterson said something uh, the, the other day that about this that was really really good. He said if you, if you go after revenge. Before you go, dig two graves. And I was like, "Ooh, that's exactly right." If you're going after revenge, you—that's a death sentence for you and for the person you're going after. It's like you better dig two I graves. Mean, but was he going after revenge, or was he going after righteousness, bro? Fucking like you, you know, it's, you know, it's different when your fucking kids get molested, dude. Oh God. Yep. Yeah, that it's amazing. At first, I, I thought that he went psycho or something, which I mean, I guess he kind of did. But I mean, like you know, just like um, blatantly, you know, flipped a switch and turned into mm-hmm. a killer. But no, that's a uh, that that changed my mind completely. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, Cain Velasquez is innocent, and it just sucks that he went after the wrong guy. Like, like listen, I, the way oh. I hear about it, the, the, the way the way I understand it is the father and son. The father knew the son was molesting him kids and mm. didn't do nothing about it. Mm. And he went after the, the actual molester, the son, and couldn't find them. 
So he killed the dad just off general principle. Wow. Because so, he knew about it. it. Do you know if this and, is, is this somebody who's like related to Kane? They didn't say, they didn't say, uh, uh, they, you know, they didn't go into much detail because okay. it was just like a news headline. Sure. So, you know, I just got the bullet points. Damn. Can't wait to see how that unfolds. Um, that's a crazy ass story. Yeah. Hold on. I have to, I have a topic that's related to this. I can interject. It might be too early to interject this type of a heady question, but listen, I'm going to try it. <clears throat> I wanted to ask Josh about free will. And I wanted to, I wanted to use the conversation about determinism versus free will. And this Cain Velasquez example is a good example. So I'm going to run this by you, Josh. There's this idea about, um, there's an argument against free will. You know, the idea that we can make our own choices. And that, it, you know, those aren't predetermined that we can actually ch decide one way or the other for ourselves. People who don't believe that say that uh, that's your, your nature and nurture basically pre-program you. So that you don't really ever have a choice. Uh, what I mean is if you uh, grow up in a bad neighborhood and you're exposed to violence all the time and then you get in trouble for, you know, killing somebody, you'd never had a choice. That that kid never had a choice. He grew up, he was conditioned to violence, he'd never had a choice. So there, that's the argument is that everything, every decision you make, not just the decision to, you know, be violent with somebody, but every decision you make is predetermined by the things that happened before in your life and the conditions that you were brought up in. Um how strong of an argument do you think that is? Well, I think that there's a, a factor that you also have to add to that. Is the person, is does the person have average intelligence? Is this a person that's like a fucking idiot? Or is this a person that thinks before he speaks? <laughs> I, I, I'm struggling to fig figure out where you're going, so you keep going. Well, okay. If, well, if, if, somebody, if somebody is prone to a little bit of thought before an action, then maybe they would think better of it. And if it's somebody that just reacts off instinct, like some of these fucking animal-like gangsters that's out there, somebody that don't think at all, they just react. Like, you know, because that's two different types well, yeah, of people. You're right, but uh, I'll go a step further because these these hard determinists would say in the situation you're describing, this is what they would say happens. They would say that if you were thoughtful and you stopped and you and you evaluated the the options and then you made a decision that what happens is in the moment when you were trying to deliberate between the two maybe you were having some kind of objective uh thought about it but the moment you chose a versus b the moment you chose you never could have chosen differently anyway even if you even if you had thought about it for a million years even if you didn't think about it at all at the point where you where you're making the actual decision it was predetermined. You never had it. You never actually. I would had lean towards. I would lean towards. It's predetermined the way you were raised. I kind of expected I you would, to say that, actually. But I don't think I agree. Okay. But but the the reason I bring this up is in the um, in the Cain Velasquez example. You've got somebody who's clearly conditioned to violence. He's a professional MMA fighter, right? And he's and he, and he grew up in Mexico. I, I I don't know for sure, but I'm assuming of of little means because most people in Mexico are are uh, you know living like that. So probably grew up a and life ain't worth a, life ain't worth a dollar in Mexico either. 
Yeah, yeah, man. So he grew he grew he grew up in a, probably in a rough in a hard situation. You could say that he was conditioned to be violent in a situation that would provoke it out of him. And what happened with somebody getting molested in his family was certainly enough to provoke it out of him. How could he possibly be guilty of this? He he could not have acted any other way. That's how the determinist would argue for it. Do you think that that holds up, Kyle? Um. So I I, I can see determinism being largely true uh, in a lot of ways um but even if it is 100 percent true i don't think it's valuable for us to operate that way i think that that's a recipe for just being like oh he you know let him off no responsibility yeah. for anything yeah. um so i'm not a fan of determinism whether it's true or not uh but i i guess at the end of the day i don't really believe in determinism but i think it plays a factor. I think that there's definitely it's that nature sure. nurture thing. Is it definitely you for know? Sure, for sure. You can't you can't write that off. Sure. So I think the truth's probably in the middle. I think Josh is probably more closer to the mark uh, with his argument that uh, there's probably a little bit of free will and a little bit of determinism, and the determinism stuff's probably related most closely to your like unconscious instinctual types of behaviors, the things that you know what I mean that are programmed. You don't, you don't really have to consider those. You just do them. So there's probably some truth in that. Mm. Um, but then, there's the, again, there's probably more complex things that require th more thought. And uh, I think personally, when you get to the moment of making an actual decision, you know, when Cain got to the position of actually pulling that trigger, that, uh, that there is free will, that you do have a choice. I don't have any evidence for that. That's just how it seems to me. So sure. that's, that's how I feel. I, but, but I mean, you can also make the argument that he did have free will and he made the choice to put holes in that man. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. You know, that was his choice. He had free will to do it or not do it, and he wanted to do it. Yeah. Uh, on other interesting MMA news, there's this guy, I can't remember his name off the Bryce Mitchell, I think. Yeah, did I anyone saw, else see this? I just saw that. Did you see this, Josh? No. This dude named Bryce Mitchell in like a press conference, you know, the pre-UFC press, maybe it was post, I honestly don't know, but it was a press conference and uh, he was talking about the Federal Reserve and, and you know, how our money is controlled by people who are not elected um, and it was just really good. Uh, I did not expect to see that. I heard, I saw a bunch of like libertarian type people talking about some UFC fighter on Twitter and I was like, man, it must have been a he must have had a really impressive performance if for some reason Liberty Twitter's talking about him. But then I saw the clip and I was like, oh, I, t I understand why they're talking about him because he made a whole bunch of really good points. There it is right there. Bryce so, Mitchell. So, yeah, yeah not, not only did Bryce Mitchell do exactly what you just said, I actually didn't, when you brought that up, I thought you were talking about his victory. Oh, no. I didn't realize you were talking about, but I did see that. Yeah. I just didn't realize it was the same guy. Oh, oh yeah. Apparently it was a professive, uh, 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 impressive win. I didn't, I have no idea. I didn't see it. But. So, so this went, this was a decision fight, but Josh, this kid, Bryce Mitchell, when he looks young, I can't see how old he is, but he looks young. He's got only one loss, 15 wins. He was fighting, uh, Edson Barbosa, who's been around. He's got 22 mm -hmm. wins. And uh, it went all the way to the final round, uh, f and the decision went to Mitchell, went to this, you know. <laughs> yeah, just, Barboza ain't no slouch. No, he's no slouch. So it looks to me like somebody might be worth watching, Bryce Mitchell. 
Yeah, he said, uh, this is just part of the quote. He said, these people control our dollar, brother, and we didn't vote for them. Think about it. You got 13 board members voting on the value of the dollar. Did we vote for that? No, it's corrupted. Um, that's good shit. That's man. good shit. Yes, like, it is. You know, it's maybe that's not. good shit. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that that's getting talked about. That makes me happy. Because fuck the Federal Reserve. Yeah, but because it's coming from a fighter, people are going to write it Oh, off. yeah, for yeah. sure. They already are, 100%. And he's sad, he's got kind of like a country accent, you know. Oh yeah, so, they're gonna write that yeah, right exactly. off. Exactly. They're gonna say he's a hick. Yep, just some dumb. A redneck, a, re- a redneck UFC fighter would be a white boy. Yep. Oh, of course he is. Yep. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have to check this dude out. Price with a Y. Uh, so you... I, I like country, motherfucker. I like yeah, yeah. redneck fighters. Hey, you know what we were talking about the other day? Um, I don't know. It's maybe it's been a little while ago. We're talking about how like you've got. Um, the poor communities, you know, like the, like the white trash type of folks or the, or the, you know, the, the ghetto type of folks that, that live in, uh, you know, the, the low income parts of, uh, any, you know, urban American community, those, those types of people. And the rural. To and, be, and the, to and be the rural. Yeah. And the rural. We're talking about that. And then we were like tr- trying to imagine what those people are like in Japan. Yeah. Or what those people are like in China, in China. <laughs> Well, uh, China, I have some idea. I've heard stories, but Japan. Well, the people like that in China, they're trying to exterminate right now. Yeah. They got a name. They're called like the Woobies or something. I forget the name. <laughs> the U- you're talking about the Uyghurs, uh, Uyghurs whatever they're called. The, they're like, they're a, Muslim, a Muslim minority group there. Is that what you're talking about? The genocide? Yeah, and they're like they're like a little bit poorer than everybody else. They live in a whole like, like rural section of China. Yeah, yeah. What's their name? I said Woobies. I know that's wrong. Uyghurs? Uyghurs, yeah. Uyghurs, that's it. It's yeah. That's that's their word, Josh. <laughs> you can't say Uyghur. You can't say Woobies. <laughs> <laughs> you said that's their word. Yeah, because it sounds like another word, Josh. Come on. So what do we call them? What do we call them? Hillbilly Chinese people. <laughs> oh Jesus! This podcast is going off the rails. Are they? Are they Asian? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. didn't know if they were. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know that they're like Asian, but I didn't know. I know they're Muslim, so I just wasn't sure if they're more like Middle Eastern who moved over. Kalman East Asian. Yeah, yeah. No, I meant uh, Chinese. Kalman Bruce Lee Asian. Yeah, exactly. Uh, wonton soup and uh, all that. Oh, this podcast is going <laughs> off the rails. We're in Shane Gillis ter- ter- territory here. All right. So um, I don't know if, it, if, I should, if it's premature to change the subject. I mean, we're just going with the flow, man. So uh, yeah, I think we I think we beat the wooby thing to death. So change <laughs> it. All right. So so Josh calls me the other day, and he says, uh, "I was listening to the podcast, and uh, you know, you guys left some shit out. You missed some shit, and I had to call you. First of all, I think it's awesome that you have an opportunity because I wish I had that opportunity to call some of the people whose podcast I, I listen to. Some shit. I'm like Joe, Joe Rogan. Listen to me for a second, man." Yep. I wish I could do that. Like, I'll just call Jordan Peterson up. Dr. Peterson, we have to have a talk. I don't even remember what I called about at this point. Well, all right, so Kyle and I were talking about this badass, this vision, this image of this badass Scottish Celtic man with a beard throwing logs over his head. Oh, Kyle burly. was talking about the significance of red hair. He thought it was like a royal thing, a royalty thing. No, no. And I said it's not. It's a divinity thing. It's from That's- the Tawaha they deny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They all had red hair and blue eyes. Yeah, 
Yep. yep. Uh, that, that's a good point. So he, he brought that up, but he also brought up the fact that we didn't talk about the Scottish Rite Masons when we brought up Scotland. I don't even know what that is. Oh, yeah, you head. brought up Scotland and you didn't talk about Freemasonry. Yeah, oh, Freemasons. Yeah, you got to school him, Josh. That out. School him, Josh. Go. He, he said he doesn't, know, he doesn't know what it is. I do know what the Freemasons are, but I'm still interested in knowing. No. Okay, what, listen. All right, this is the way I understand it. <clears throat> the Knight Simpler was running from some king, king fucking, I don't know, Philip or some shit. I don't know, French king or something. He was trying to rob him or he, he tried to get in bed with him and it didn't work. So then he tried to take their wealth and so they ran. And they found they found somewhere to go in Scotland because the Scottish king hated that French king too. So over time, the Knights Simpler turned into something and then that turned into the Freemasons. Mm-hmm. And the highest degree you can get is 33rd degree Scottish Rite Freemason. That's the highest you can get in Freemasonry. And the, the, the uh, I don't know what you call it, the, uh, fuck, I can't think of my words. The origin yeah. of Freemasonry is Scotland. Hmm. So, and then, you know, and then also the Scotland. connection between Scotland and America, seeing that. I don't know, what was it, Chris? 29, 33, U.S. presidents, something like that, were all Freemasons. Yeah, that's what he was telling me. There's a whole, been a whole bunch of U.S. presidents yeah, that were I Scottish that. Rite Masons. And George Washington was a 33-degree Scottish Rite Freemason. Mm. So, did you know that Kyle, know. Did you know Kyle was related, legitimately related, to William Henry Harrison? Yep, he's like a 16th great uncle or something. Oh, shit, son. Yeah. Maybe you should run for fucking something. I would love to. I, w- I want you all to know that we're all related to Father Abraham. He had many sons. I am one of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're probably more likely related to Genghis Khan, bro. Hell yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, us, uh, you and I, probably more probably. than Kyle, because because uh, when we when I did that DNA test, uh, we, we we have a little turkey. bit of our DNA originates in Turkey. So we have a little bit, a teensy bit over there someplace. A mysterious bit. Somewhere over the rainbow. Over the rainbow, yeah. From Turkey. To Turkey, yeah. See? What do they call... You know how in Germany they call it Deutschland? Yeah. I wonder if they call it Turkey in Turkey. That's a good question. I think so. Yeah? I mean, that's what it says on the map. Well, I guess it's in English, so... (laughs) I don't know. It's a good question. That's a good question. It's a good question. Americans are so arrogant. We're just like, no, it's the American it's way. Turkey. What do you call it? No, we're going to call you. We're going to call you something else. Yep. Oh boy. Uh, okay, Josh, I got another philosophical question for you that um, that got brought up when Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson had their last conversation. Do you do you know about who? Right. Do you know who Sam Harris is, Josh? He's like a. He's like I don't a, know who? Sam Harris. No, uh, he's just like he's he's an atheist scientist guy. Um, anyway, they were having this intellectual conversation, and uh, Sam Harris asked Jordan Peterson if he feels like he is his body, or does he feel like he has a body? And that's the question for you, Josh. Do you have, you have a body? A body. Mm, interesting, Kyle. Same question. What if you are your body? Are or you your you... body, or do you have a body? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like both, to be honest with you, sometimes. Uh, let me put it a different way. Do you feel like you 
I mean, I know. I get the point of the question. No, do, no this is a different question I'm trying to ask you. Do you feel like you're driving around in your body like a, like a mech? Are you steering behind no, your eyes? That's a bad example. No, it's not. <clears throat> do you feel like you're riding around in your body like a vehicle? That's what I'm asking. Do you feel like you have a spirit? It's a better question. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to make it religious until Kyle answered, Josh. <clears throat> so well, is that religious or is that just mystical? Well, that's what. That's the next question. The question that comes from this is, if you, if you have a body and you're not and you're not identical with your body, if you have a body, then what are you? What is the thing that has the body? That's the religious your soul, question. Your spirit. That's a religious question. Human condition. To answer that question, I, I can still, I can feel both. Like, I can genu- genuinely empathize with both positions. So, as I get older, I feel less like I am my body and more like I have a body. When I was younger, I felt more like I was my body. As I get older, I'm, I'm, it's pulling me away from that sensibility. I don't know what it is. It's like, you know, like if I have a, if I have a pain, even a bad pain, that I've had a thousand times before... I can kind of ignore it better. I can kind of detach from it. And it's like that detachment, being able to more and more detach from my body, makes me feel like I'm more separate from it than I did used to. And it has something to do with having been it, been through that before. I don't know. It's weird. Well, I can give you so many examples of times that's happened to me. Let's hear it. Okay, well, <laughs> I've cut off sports with a steak knife and separated <laughs> myself from the pain. I've, I've clipped I, I've clipped sides from my eyes with fingernail clippers. Oh. I've, um, Did it work? Because I've, I've, I've got one on my arm. Oh, yeah. It bleeds like a motherfucker, but it goes away. <laughs> oh, I've, cut off, I've cut off moles with steak knives. Ooh, I've, um, yeah, bro, I don't fuck around. If there's something on my body I don't like, I'm cutting it. Clean the fuck off. <laughs> Why are you operating on yourself, man? Just, I mean, listen, if it's a wart, <laughs> it's out of here, bro. I don't give a fuck. I don't have <laughs> I'm not here. doing that. Out of here, bro. <laughs> out of here, bro. Uh. <laughs> you know, and it took a long time. Dude, it took, um, what I just kept having to do was dig a hole in it and pour alcohol in it. Dig a hole in it, pour alcohol in it. And I had to do that for... Maybe 15 days and the thing just fell off. My dad does that kind of shit, too. Yeah. I mean, I've cut some stuff off before, too, but I, I've never done like that. The open it, pour alcohol in, open it again, listen, pour, you know. Listen, how about we all get worked? Well, it was more than opening it. It was putting it's a steak knife in it, spinning it. Yeah. Let's all, so let's, I was like hollowing it out. Ugh. Listen, let's all get warts. We're going to do an experiment. We're going to cut them off with fingernail clippers. Josh is going to do alcohol. Kyle's going to do lemon juice. I'm gonna do Worcestershire sauce. We'll see. Sauce. We'll see whose work goes away. Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, is that how you say it? I think so. I, I thought it was Worcestershire. I don't know, but why would you put a, a, a meat seasoning in your open wound? It's an experiment. It's science, Josh. <laughs> we got to follow it. We got to follow that the science. Just, We're all gonna marinate listen, ourselves. Listen, um, all kidding aside, <laughs> you're gonna end up you're gonna end up moisturized and better tasting and have an infection. <laughs> all, all things aside. Uh, <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> um, see, now I coughed and I lost my train of thought. Yep. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, I've, the thing I found that's the, that works the best with warts is uh, duct tape. If I get a wart, I put a piece of duct tape. Usually, it's on, like on the side of my finger or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll get one like every decade. I'll just put uh, put tape around it and if my my finger will get sweaty it'll fall off I'll put more tape around it mm. it'll get sweaty then it'll fall off I'll put more tape around it I just, I just 
choke it out with that. And something about whatever's in that tape, it it works, man. Yeah. I haven't had to buy a wart remover from like the pharmacy because if you have duct tape, you have the solution. Is my point. Yeah, I had tons of warts when I was a kid. You're disgusting. But once I got rid of them, I've never. I haven't had a wart in forever. Yeah, I just had the one, and I'm you know I'm older than you guys. I just had the one my whole life. Yep, and you fucking destroyed that thing. Mm. <laughs> destroyed it. It was out of here. It was fired. Yeah, I've clipped off a, a skin tag with a pair of clippers once. Ooh. Pair in it, yeah, it does bleed like crazy. Yeah, you guys are disgusting. But it I goes know. away, you know. I mean, so I I had a it uh, bleeds. I had a mole removed on my chest, Josh, and I went to the I went to the doctor. I didn't really care, but the mole kind of came out of nowhere. It's like I didn't used to yeah, have yeah, it, and weird. then I had like one, and it was like a, of a substantial size, and it was flat and everything. It was fine. It was right in the middle of my chest, like like a Superman S. So I, uh, my, so my wife said she was concerned. So I asked the doctor about it, and he was like, "Well, you know, it happens." He's like, I, "If if unless it like goes haywire, like I, I'm I'm not worried about it." And I'm like, "Well, can you cut it off?" And he's like, "Yeah, I'll, I can remove it if you're worried about it." I said, "Okay, well we've met our deductible, so why don't you bust out the uh, the scissors and get rid of this thing?" So so he uh, so he so he cuts it off for me, and while he was cutting it, I was telling him the story about when I gave blood. And I blacked out because what the only time I ever gave blood, I blacked out and had this crazy, like, psychedelic dream. Um, while I was telling the doctor this story while he's cutting me with a, with a razor blade, I black out oh, while, while talking to my doctor about blacking out that Damn, one time. Dude. Yeah. You got, like, a weak constitution. I guess so, man. <laughs> like, I, I think I talked myself into blacking out by, by remembering the blackout story. And it only ever happened to me. I don't know. Maybe you're just like maybe you're just like a gazelle in Africa, and you just you know a tooth sinks into you or a razor blade or whatever you call it. You just go with it. Go ahead and eat me, mother. You pass out. You just let it happen. Listen, um, listen. Uh, I should be offended by that, but the reason I'm not is because, motherfucker, I had a vasectomy. <laughs> I was awake and I was fine. <laughs> I had my nuts cut open, bro, one at a time. One at a time. They do both of them. One at a time. I thought that was first just of like, all you were numbed up and you weren't looking at it. No, 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 no. You haven't had a vasectomy. You don't understand. Let me tell you. Have you? Let me tell did you, you. Were you watching it happen? Uh, well, you're kind of in stirrups. So you can't really see it. But no, I wouldn't. Have, yeah. I wouldn't if you were have, watching it happen. You'd have passed out. Oh, I definitely wouldn't have wanted to watch it. Uh, I, don't, I don't watch when they put the needle in my arm to take blood. I don't watch. I'm like, you know. Anyway, listen. Point is. They have to stick the needle in you to numb you, uh, and they have to do that twice, and that you feel. And then the doctor tells you, yeah. and he tells you, you've got two two sets of nerves in your in your balls. So this shot I'm giving you is going to numb the first set. When I hit, when you feel pressure, he says, when you feel pressure, let me know, and I'll have to hit it hit you again. So as he's working on you, you don't know what to expect, man. As he's working on you. All of a sudden, it feels like somebody took a screwdriver and oh. jammed it and jammed it up your no. up your nutsack. And I couldn't even I, I couldn't even say to I couldn't even say to the doctor. Fuck you, dude. I, I, could, I couldn't you listen. Me this? Listen, I couldn't even tell him I feel pressure. I said to him, <laughs> I said to him, <laughs> and he said he said, oh okay. Then he put the, <laughs> loud and clear. Then he puts the needle in and numbs you again, right? So, Oof. look, that's one side. Then you do it on the other side. So, I didn't black out during that, Josh, you son of a bitch. So, I'm not, a.k.a., FYI, 
vis-a-vis, I'm not a pussy, bro. I'm not they a have pussy. to do both. I didn't realize nobody that. Called, nobody called you a pussy. I think the word I use is gazelle. Yeah, but you, I know what you meant by gazelle. <laughs> <laughs> you meant Nancy. Oh man! Uh, but you know, I know what you mean, uh, and that's and that's a legitimate uh, that's a legitimate uh, question. But I think the vasectomy example um, is a counterexample. I uh, yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Sounds <laughs> like a Freddy Krueger movie. Oh, I know a guy who got a vasectomy, and like it sounds like yours went pretty well, like uh, not too painful uh, no. afterwards or no, anything. No, no, it was good. The guy I know who got it, like it was done, I guess, well, but he was in pain for a while afterwards. Ooh. Well, yeah. they they tell you to be really careful. They tell you to stay off your feet for like forty eight hours. Yeah. So you have the best excuse to just lounge around all day and make people wait on you yeah. and that's what I did but people who strain themselves before they heal like they, they can have terrible terrible consequences of that fuck that yeah yeah so um, that's enough talk about testicles probably um you know I'm sure we could find something else interesting to say about them <laughs> <laughs> um alright man how about Russia you wanna do Russia yeah, sure. Ooh. Let's talk about Russia. Kyle? I'll let somebody else start, but yes. I got some shit to say. I'm sure, I'm sure you do. That uh, It's such a, f- like, well, one thing that's really striking me about Russia right now is that it's this huge potential world event that's happening. I mean, it's already kind of a huge world event, but it's got potential to become something really significant, yeah. you know? Um, and I think that it's funny that it comes right at a time when the previous huge world event is kind of dying away, you know, like the, the COVID stuff, people are just not really putting too much stock into it anymore. Even like the establishment are backing off of it, you know? So it's just funny to me that it's flaring up right now. I think that's interesting. The establishment is backing off on it. And my employer is still putting pressure on me. So fucking annoying. Can you believe that? All right. Um, sorry to interrupt the flow of that. So, no, no, so the, po- the point Kyle's making is we're going from one emergency to another, and it seems awfully, awfully um, purposeful that uh, that the powers that be just completely stopped talking about it. Like we weren't all fighting about it for the last two years. More than that. What do you think? Do you think it's manufactured to distract? Do you think you know? Do you think the narrative needs to be changed because the elections are coming up? What is it, Josh? No, I don't. Well, listen, I I think uh, I think you guys are overthinking all that. <laughs> what I think about it is, what I think about it is, fucking uh, this is unprovoked war. This is they're the Russians are committing war crimes. Well, yeah. At this, I don't think it's unprovoked. At this point, though. why isn't it? The Ukraine did nothing to Russia. Um, the Ukraine is openly flirting with joining NATO, um, which I don't. I don't blame Vladimir Putin at all for not wanting NATO in his backyard. Uh, like we almost, <laughs> we almost went to nuclear war because the Soviet Union wanted to have missiles in Cuba. Um, so I just don't think it's. I don't yeah, think but, it's good. Uh, I don't I don't think that Putin's a good guy, but also I think that if I was running a country, I would be like fuck no, you can't have your 
international military organization right on my fucking back door. No, go fuck yourself. Like, I totally get that. Yeah, but you're assuming, you're assuming by Ukraine joining that America was going to put fucking missiles there. That's two completely different. You can't connect those two. It's not even about missiles. It's about a, a, a open door to a giant international military organization. I mean, why would well, they're you... a democracy, bro? Like why, why shouldn't they have the ability to join? Um, I get I guess they should have the ability to join, but what I'm saying is I don't blame Putin for um not wanting it to happen and I also I think it's um aggressive of NATO to be doing that. I think that if Russia was doing that to us, we would have a problem with it. Not as aggressive as what Russia's doing to Ukraine. Well, true. That's well, true. I mean, you know. Well, 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 to that point, to that point, to that point, there, it was just a one-time discussion that the president of Ukraine said he would rather not join NATO because of what may happen. So that, that information was already out there that he was not going to do it before the invasion. You know that, right? Um. You know, I I know that that's that's what people say, but uh, I don't. I th- I also think that America, even if they're not in NATO, we do we we support Ukraine a lot. Like remember the impeachment call with the Ukraine? We were giving them money. We give that wasn't the only time we give them a bunch of money. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just think that uh, even if they're not in NATO, we are definitely like you know enticing them to join NATO. Um, yeah, but but if Ukraine joins NATO, that's not a threat to anyone. It's it could be no, a, it could be. I, a, I don't think so I disagree. Well, I think well, it's a threat well, to Russia. Just, just joining NATO by itself is not a threat. But yeah. if, but if Putin perceives it as a threat, then it then it is. That that's the thing. It's like it's only it's it's only his. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, God damn it! Intuition. <clears throat> Yeah, it's, it's, it's. I think it's an invasion of false pretense. It's the same thing we did in Iraq, pretty much. That's what I think. Because there wasn't any ma- weapons of mass destruction there. I right. mean, we figured that out eventually, you know. So sure. it's, it's the same thing. It's a perceived threat that you take action against. That's completely, un, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, completely um, not right. I guess I, don't know. I can't <laughs> think of the right word. You Mathis brothers uh, are dropping the ball <laughs> with your words right now. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, so whatever, but I don't know. I just feel like the destruction, the, all that car, all that fucking carpet bombing and all them, you know, civilian targets and everything that, that they're kind of doing, I don't know, it's, it's fucking Nazi-ish, dude. It, it just falls in the same category in my mind as what Hitler did to Berlin and shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're fucking bombing civilian targets and carpet bombing whole cities that got... Like, I know I mean, you gave him plenty of time to evacuate, because he did. Putin, he put it out there. Civilians, you don't want to fight, leave. And lots of them did. There's like, what was what, what there, two million refugees now or something? I don't know. But lots of them did try to leave. So he did at least do that, which earns him a little bit of credit. But he loses all the credit again after he starts bombing civilian targets. So listen... For me, it, it has less to do with the civilian targets, and it has it has more to do with the fact that you would escalate to to war at all. It's like in this in this day and age, you have a you have a process by which one country can join another country. It, it's a it's a, a legal 
political process. They could have a vote. They could vote to join the state of Russia. They could get rid of their borders. And that requires consent of the governed. And you can, th- that there's well, a process Well, that would never do. happen because Ukraine is, is, is like us. Their government's like us. And Russia is whatever they are, the opposite. <laughs> so they'll never that's... agree to join. But that's the thing. If, never... if, if the people wouldn't agree to join, then they shouldn't, then they shouldn't be a part of Russia. If you have to force somebody to be a part of your country, then you then then it, it should. We, the point is, we after the Second World War, we got to a well, not directly after the Second World War, but you know, um, hypothetically, we got to a to a permanent state of peace. We got to this Pax Romana of the of the United States Empire, let's say, and uh, there was no concern that the Western world was going to be facing war, maybe ever again. Everyone's trading with each other. Everyone's getting along for the most part. There's political wheeling and dealing, but there's no war. And um, now that's changed. And the possibility of a, of another world war is sudden, suddenly no longer Im- an impossibly absurd idea. It's a freaking possibility, you know? Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. and Putin that's did a- that. He, he, he changed that by making this one decision. It, you know, and, he, and he'll argue that those people in Ukraine are Russian. And they want to be Russian, and they never want to. You know what I mean? Well, if that's the case, then this we... is what I want. I want to. I want to interject. Yeah. The last two, the last two major, you know, Russian wars, if that's what you want to call them, they failed. They looked like fucking wimps, dude. They got their ass whooped in Afghanistan in the seventies. And so did we. and and it's a like, listen. It's a black eye on Russia right now. They were supposed to be able to run through that country in a week. I mean, they were—they don't even have any military to speak for compared to what Russia has. Yeah, and do, they do, haven't do even made how, it to the capital yet. Do we know going how, on day fifteen? Do we know how realistic that is? Like, I know people are saying that. Like, the, I'm just trying to determine what's propaganda that they're saying Russia's having a really hard time making progress in Ukraine. And my question is, how long is it supposed to take? Is it—is it really? Take, mm-hmm. Are they really having like an unexpected amount of trouble? Yeah. I mean, we reached the capital of Iraq in six days. That's you know, come on, yeah. That's a country that had a bigger army than the Ukraine, a bigger air force than Ukraine. They were much more dangerous than Ukraine. Nobody and the United States breached the border and reached the capital in six days. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I I agree with you on that for sure. Uh, America's military is top of the line, and you look. For people who are making a point to say that Russia could potentially be a threat to the United States, give me a fucking break. Russia is, I mean, they have nukes, okay, so they're very dangerous in that sense, but in a, in, in a sense of invading and, like, really causing not a, it, not a chance, man. You look at the GDP chance. of Russia and the United States— we have like 20 times their GDP, literally. Yeah. Um, they're a fly on the back of an elephant. It's nothing. Um, but I still, I, to go back to like Russia, why they're doing this and the motivations for it. Uh, again, I'm not saying that Putin is a good guy. I'm saying that Putin is really no worse than any of the world leaders in the world. Um, and people want to, again, Putin's a bad guy, but people want to 
put all the blame on Putin when he's clearly being provoked. Like we have uh, this country that has the, it's the only country in the world that has anywhere close to as many nukes as we do. And you're openly provoking them. I mean, I just feel like the best, I think, I feel like the best thing to do would be make a treaty with Russia. We're not going to, NATO cannot, uh, Ukraine cannot become a part of NATO. Uh, I, I feel like that would be a, a, a a good thing to do. Oh boy, man! So you, so you. Well, saying, what I that- think, what I think, Kyle, Kyle, what I think is the the motivation behind all this. I think Putin is trying to regain everything that the Soviet Union had. That's why they went into Crimea and took that, and that's why they went into. Uh, there was another one that happened just in the two thousands, and they took that, mm-hmm. and now they're trying to take Ukraine. They're trying to restore. The Soviet Union, all the all everything that the Soviet Union held, they're trying to regain. That's what I think the motivation is. Yeah, I mean, I don't. That sounds reasonable. I mean, I, as like uh, I can definitely see that being a motivating factor, but I also don't think, like I said, they're not much of a threat. Like e- even to Ukraine, you just said that. Like they're having tr- more trouble in Ukraine than they should be having. If they try to invade the rest of Ukraine, how far into Europe are they going to get? That, well, they're going to try to take it all the way to Belarus. They're going to try to take it all the way to. Hold on a second. I got to ask. I got to ask Kyle a question before I forget, which is happening. I think as we speak. Um, oh damn it! Okay, I just was waiting for a time to interject it, and I've lost it. That Son sucks. of a bitch! It'll come back. Um, I, I do have a question that Kyle might might like because it kind of has to do with uh, kind of has to do with um, in the early days of the podcast when we, we talked a lot about uh, stateless society and contracts and how that might work um, the idea is like what we're seeing with the the, fi- the, the financial pressure that we're putting on with sanctions mm-hmm. rather than sending soldiers into Russia to say no you can't do this bad thing we're, you, you, we're going to shoot you back Instead, we're like punishing them financially. We're shutting down all the avenues that they had. Like, like the, the oh, I, the, I know a bunch about that. I'll let you finish. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, the, the contract, the contractual relationships that make the world run. All we have to do is shut them down. And and it's like uh, the same thing that they used to do in war when they would siege a city and starve them out. It's like that's what we're doing. We don't have to send soldiers in. We can do it all these other ways. Mm-hmm. And they're and they're like you know. Um, Stealing, stealing the oligarchs' yachts that are that are in like the Mediterranean. They're like, no, nope, this belongs to us now because you guys went to war. And it's like, who is stealing it? The, the people, the uh, Russian people? N- uh, no, the like, uh, federal yeah, agencies. The Russian people. The, the the listen. I'm telling you, the Russian government is. I'm telling you, they got people testing Putin's food. I mean, it's going. Listen, they're they're they're, they're rubles or well, I don't know if that's the right word. Whatever yeah, the fucking right, currency right, yeah, is called, right, that's right. Yeah. It's down like thirty three percent. There's a run on the banks. The whole country's falling apart. Yeah, right now. I, feel, I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah, I, I believe it. Uh, I mean, sanctions are definitely they can be brutal. I just don't know how much. I guess I guess if they're getting their shit stolen and Putin's having his food tested, that's something. But I just feel like sanctions punish the you and me's of Russia more than they punish well, the oligarks. So that's a that's a good point. Um, well, that, well, they're punishing the oligarchs. They're going after them one at a time. They're confiscating yachts. They're confiscating... I mean, so even Switzerland. You know how Switzerland's supposed to be like a, a place that doesn't pick sides? Yeah. And they're like, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they fucking closed his account. Six hundred and seventy billion dollars okay, so, of, of Vladimir Putin. So he, so he can't have they, they they froze it. So here's the angle that I here's the angle that I want Kyle to consider. Part of me, part of me likes this idea that a that a modern world could come up with a peaceful solution to not have to actually send soldiers in and still get a country to obey the rules and get along. There's part of me that's like, you know, man, isn't it good that we have this option of like financial sanctions and all this stuff? Isn't it awesome that we can like get together and do something creative to make it hurt and and solve this problem where nobody has to die? And that's yeah, that, that, but hold on, wait, 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 wait. That's not exactly true the way I painted it. But the 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 point I want to counter this with is the other part of me thinks, wait a minute, you can just take somebody's yacht, right? Wait a minute. You can just shut down my ability to use banks. It's like if we can do that. Yeah, to, because it, you're a war on, criminal. Let me continue. If we can do that to Russia, and I and I compare that to somebody doing it to me, mm-hmm. I, I go from thinking, oh, what a great peaceful solution to, motherfucker, that's unconstitutional. So anyway, that's the that's the the dynamic. So Josh, now you can say whatever you want. What do you think? Well, listen, all these oligarchs are being targeted and their wealth is being frozen and taken. Their yachts, their property, their property that's not in uh, Russia, like their lots of them got like British fucking big ass pensions and fucking, you know, places all over the world and different islands Swim, and shit. Swimming pools home, full of bitches, yeah. Yeah, all that shit is being confiscated. confiscated all, one yacht was like 570 million. It was like a thousand feet. I mean, you should have seen this thing. It was ridiculous. It was owned by a Russian oligarch and a fucking, uh, I don't know whose military it was. Somebody's military fucking confiscated that shit. And in Switzerland made a point to step in and they never have done that. In the history of Switzerland, they're like the country that doesn't pick sides and your money's always safe here. You know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know that I necessarily, I don't know that I necessarily see that Switzerland you know, whatever will take your money as uh, necessarily a positive. Um, I think that that's kind of slimy on some, you know, on it can be very slimy on some level. But they have one of the best standards of living in the world. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I you know, I, there's no arguing that. Lots of, uh, lots of those places in Europe have very high standards of living. Um, but I forget what a, uh, yeah, I just don't like the significance of Switzerland coming. I, it just doesn't mean a whole lot to me. I know that they're always neutral, but I mean, I don't know. It just, I don't, it doesn't seem to be that big of a thing. I, I think, um, what was that? What were you we talking about before you started talking about Switzerland? I had something to say, uh, but it just completely slipped my mind. Uh, the oligarch's property being confiscated. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I have no love for the oligarchs and I mean, we've got oligarchs here in America. Uh, that's, that's for sure true. We just like, you know, I guess structure things a little bit differently, but I've got no love for those people. But that being said, I see, you know, if it was the people who stole the oligarchs boats, I would have maybe a little bit more like positive feeling towards it. But the way I see it is this giant like federal organization, maybe international kind of 
bureaucracy organization is confiscating wealth from people and it's like what the fuck yeah. I, again I don't like <laughs> yeah, them yeah, that's but it's like they can take if they can do it to these people who have way way more wealth and resources to protect themselves than you do what can they do to you they can just do whatever the fuck they want to anybody anytime they fucking want to so yeah. that's my problem yeah, with it. yeah there's, there's one way of looking at that where you can say if the well dude I mean it's, a, it's, it's what it's about man is these people are committing war crimes in the eyes of the world, like Nazis did. Yeah, I, so I mean, taking their maybe they are. But what about the people is, who are just being accused of doing that and they're not doing that? It doesn't matter if they're guilty or innocent. Yeah, it, listen, it doesn't matter if they're guilty or innocent. I think that their two wrongs don't make a right, and and you can you can say that if the Italian government, let's say, confiscated a bunch of oligarchs' yachts, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of yachts. They, what they did was, and from one perspective, punished Russia for this uh, unjust, you know, war. There's another way of looking at it that they that they used this war as an excuse to take prop, private property from somebody else that didn't belong to them that's worth tons of money. And I want to point out that Hitler did that during the Second World War in order to fund the war. He he took over Jewish businesses and all, took all of their money and used that money to 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 pay for the war. That was a terrible I thing believe, then, and it's a I terrible believe, thing now. I believe it's a strategy, Chris. I believe that all this confiscation of wealth and all this stuff. Is to irritate the people closest to Putin, to yeah. try to to try to uh, to try to make him assassinate him, to try to make him, you know, I, I, that's what I think. I think they're trying to piss everybody off around him by confiscating their wealth. So hopefully there'll be some kind of a, and you know how Russia works, man. They're all gangsters. Does that even make the it government okay, officials, though? even Putin. I don't know. I'm no. I don't. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's not okay. I'm saying it's a strategy. And I'm saying it may or may not be working. I'm leaning towards it's working. Yeah. I think fucking Putin's scared to death. I really do. I think that dude's in a bunker. I really do. I, I think it's working too. I, I I do think it's working. Um, I, all all I wanted to point out was that it's not right that we that that a government should should seize private property to to punish Russia because what they what they're really doing is taking an opportunity. Yeah, but when has the government ever done anything because it was right? Uh-huh. Governments are crooked as fuck, bro. Even ours. I mean, they're going to do what they feel like is the best strategy, and they don't give a fuck if it's wrong or right. When does that ever come? Well, yeah. I do, though, and I like to criticize them for it because I feel like um, if nobody talks shit, then it's just going to, you know, I mean, it's probably going to keep happening anyways, but it's obviously not going to happen if I don't, if anybody doesn't say anything. Um, and, and what you were saying before, Chris, about, uh, well, you, we can do sanctions and we can do other things and, 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 you know, fuck that. Listen, the way the world's always worked since cavemen is punching you in the face. Fuck that, all that talking bullshit. When a business, when a, when a business is cutthroat, they take over other businesses, they punch them in the face. Uh, <laughs> uh, fucking prison yards, school yards, business lawyers, countries, 
it's all about who can punch punch you in the face the hardest, and it's always going to be like that, bro. It's never going to be let's talk it out. That's not the way shit works. Yeah, but see, it's the, always going to come to violence, and that's the way the human race is. Mm, you but, agree or disagree? No, I, I think the punch. I think I agree, but I think that the punching in the face gets more sophisticated the higher up the hierarchy you go. In the schoolyard, a punch in the face is a punch in the face, but in the corporate world, a, a, a punch in the face is like a corporate takeover. You know, it's not it's not f- physically violent always. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you taking my business away kind of hurts more than a punch in the face. There you go. And it's all about it's all about inflicting pain in one way or another. Yeah, one way or another, yeah. Call, I mean, call it what you want. I mean, they're going to inflict pain in every way they can. And the strategy they're using right now is to take the wealth and freeze their money and 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 make put their country in a recession, which it obviously is. I mean, it's crazy right now over there, dude. I was watching the news. There's runs on the banks. People can't fucking eat. It's getting crazy. And it's all it's going to take is that dude sticking his head up at the, in front of the wrong person. And he's going to get it blown the fuck off. And, 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 and that's because of what we're doing. We're not we, but what the, what the world is doing by confiscating all their wealth and pissing them off. Da, 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 da. And they're hoping for a coup, and it may happen. I mean, you... You got to think, you took $670 billion of Putin's personal money away from him. The money he was going to use to fund this Ukraine invasion. Do, do, you think if Putin, and, do you think if Putin said, okay, fine, you guys win, I'll pull out of Ukraine, and he pulls everybody out, do you think he gets no, any no, of no, that no, back? No, 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 he's back in the corner. Right now, he has no choice but to keep doing it. I know, I, well, no, he has no, no, no choice I, but to try no, to win. I, I know, I can see that. But I'm asking you, if he said, I, I quit, I'm done, does he get any of that stuff back? That's been I don't seized? know if he does. But I think some of them other people, them oligarchs and shit, might get their yachts back and shit if I, they pulled out. I bet they don't. Yeah, I bet they, <laughs> I bet don't, they don't. They probably won't. Uh, that, again, not that I fucking feel bad for them. I just think it's a, a dangerous precedent. And my complaint is not so much with the methods. I mean, I again, I, I am completely anti-war, but I do think I'm with you. I do think that that's kind of human nature, um, and maybe we can transcend it somewhat. But I don't think we'll ever transcend it completely. Um, but I also think that the threat of me punching you in the face. Even though I don't have to do it, um, works in my favor. If you're going to come up to me, you need to w- watch how you talk yeah, to me. Respect. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Be a, a, com- a decent, respectful person to everyone you come into contact with. Because if you talk to the wrong person the wrong way, they can punch you in the face. Um, so I think that there's, there's definitely a benefit to it, too. But, uh, but that's why I don't think we'll ever transcend it completely. Um, but... I just, like I the motivations for why we're doing these things, whether they're sanctions or whether they're military action, that's where it all gets really cloudy for me because um, it's not, you know, in the, in the on the playground, it's, you know, I call you a poo-poo head, you punch me in the fucking nose. Yeah. Um, in, you know, international politics, it's like... Um, a lot murkier, cloudier stuff. No, no. It's like, uh, I mean, it's like you've got the CIA making up, uh, you know, uh, like Operation Northwoods, shit like that. People faking things. And it, and you're playing with uh, the lives of millions of people, billions of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, uh, 
Isn't it? Yeah, isn't, I don't isn't know. that funny when it comes to war? It's like I think everyone should play fair. Everyone should play by the rules. Um, I'm it's, not. I'm it's, not sure. It's garden for it's garden variety abuse of power. That's why I don't fuck with goddamn authority. That's where me and Kyle meet. I mean, <laughs> that's, it's it's just you know nobody's gonna ever agree. No, 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 no sound-minded person will ever agree with the way these governments work, man. They're all crooked as fuck. They all abuse their power. They all do backstabby shit and fucking, like he was saying, like Operation, there's the Operation Dirty Trick. You remember that one? No. Where, where we was going, when the shuttle blew up, we was going to blame it on Cuba. Oh, really? To go to war with them. Oh, I, yeah, but then the shuttle didn't blow up. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a whole bunch of them, man. There's, oh, yeah. I mean, you can Google it. There's just one after another of these, 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 False these programs that were signed off on by CIA directors and presidents and shit. And the they CIA, were just so fucked up. The CIA is maybe the most corrupt organization in the world. I mean, it's a. Uh, I mean, the CIA was working with Epstein, who they knew was they a child with- trafficker, uh, and I mean, <laughs> you know, not to go down that there's rabbit evidence, hole. But- there's evidence that the CIA was working with. Uh, that crazy fucker from the seventies that had to call it what was his name? Uh, the Unabomber? No, from the seventies. Oh, 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 oh the, cult, the, the cult guy? Manson. Oh, Manson. Manson. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. I've heard that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've got their fingerprints all over everything. I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's like, um, it's like, um, what comes to my mind is unintended consequences. It's like that, that's what's, that's what's, fucked me the most, you know, uh, unexpected, um, uh, life lessons, you know, uh, growing up, <coughs> things that you can never anticipate. I'm losing my train of thought again. Mm. Unbelievable. Um, but I do want to, I did want to mention before we get off the Russia thing, cause we're starting to, um, Zelensky. So I saw an article that said he, he survived three assassination attempts in a week. Yeah, the Russians are trying to get rid of Zelensky. Is that propaganda? Because they're they're trying to make him out like a Superman. Superman, Yeah, Yeah, he's definitely seems like a Superman. There's Um, all kinds of propaganda coming out of that. I mean, like there's, uh, you know, like I don't know, like the granny who's like killed five soldiers or something. There's all kinds of these stories going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you think? Do you think he was? They tried to kill him three times. Maybe. I mean, who who knows? I, I I don't know. I guess I would say probably not. I don't know if if you're allowing like three assassination attempts on your leader, you're doing a really bad job. I mean, so Josh, do you think in a situation like that, um, it, it, you know, if that would if something like that would happen and he would he would die, do you think that that would um, that that would who's 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 this Kalinsky? That's president of Ukraine. President of Ukraine, yeah. Do you do you think I, I think he's a fucking international superhero, bro? He could have left. <laughs> that's he true, stayed, bro. That's he's true. Still yeah, there. that's true. That's true. That's that says something. I mean, that says something. I don't know what, but it says something. Yeah. Uh, there's also a video of him. I believe maybe this is not true, but uh, there's a video of him playing the piano with his penis online. Oh my goodness! <laughs> like uh, apparently he was a comedian. He was like uh, in uh, entertainment before he became the president. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, interesting. Sure. Yeah, what a what a accomplished man. <laughs> I think it was it was on like some Ronald, kind of Ukrainian Ronald, idol. Ronald, or Ronald, Ukrainian Ronald Reagan got is the movie opposite of, of Monkey. So you know he became the president. So I mean, yeah. And then there's Donald Trump. 
Biff. I mean, he's a schmuck, but I, I like Trump. Yeah, I thought Trump. his policies were awesome. I thought it was awesome that we had a president with no filter that will tell you yeah, exactly I like how that he felt. Like, I just thought that was awesome. Yeah, I don't think I don't think enough people appreciated the fact that politicians are one hundred percent fake. You know, p- politicians yeah, are are a, are a persona, mm-hmm. and then you had a president, you had a pres- somebody in that office who wasn't, at least not the same kind of fake, and um, nobody appreciated that for like there are reasons to appreciate that, like answering a question. Mm-hmm. When was the last? Yeah. When was the last time you heard a politician actually answer a question? Donald Trump just a couple couple of word of, you know answers, man. He just doesn't. He didn't have a problem answering a question. That's a brilliant, brilliant move. Yeah, because that's all people want. We just want someone to say what they mean and mean what they say. For Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah I think even if he was the closest thing to it. I, I, I mean, if you, I mean, if you're using that as, as the point of of what you like. Name another president since you've been alive that's answered the fucking question and Zero. told you how he felt. Zero. Zero. I can't name another one. I can't think of any ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. Putin was kind of like that, to be honest with you. Well, that's the thing about Putin and Trump. Neither one of them are politicians. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Putin... Uh, He's more of a politician, I would say. He's definitely... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, he was a KGB operative, so he was always a government point. employee. Yeah. All right, while we're talking about presidents, let me insert another weird question. Abraham Lincoln. Another... Was he gay? <laughs> no, 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 no. He was. In all seriousness. When we uh, elect a president, some people say, you know, it's a popularity contest or whatever, and it is to some degree. But I think what those things boil down to are qualities about a person that we admire. It's like people, if somebody's likable, I think that's a large part of it, that there's some qualities about it that you admire, and usually what that means is something that you wish you were more like. Like, I wish I had this quality. And that's what makes you admire it in somebody else. It's like an an instinct, Jordan Peterson would say, it's an instinct to to mimic. It's an instinct to, to... uh, well, you're also assuming that your vote counts. No, I'm, I'm, making, a whole, I'm making a whole different point. I'm making a whole different point. I'm talking about admiration. And when we're picking a leader, I think that's part of what we're doing. The question I want to ask Josh and Kyle here is, tell me what type of personality, what type of quality you, you see in people that you most admire. And by admire, I mean you wish you had yourself you know, or you secretly wish you had yourself or something like that. Quality you most admire in people, go. Oh, I, I, I admired Barack Obama's fucking, um, the way he spoke and, and carried himself. Mm. I thought it was way more presidential than most. Yep. Now I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, talking about his policies or nothing. I'm talking about just the man and his, how he how he spoke and how he carried himself. I thought that was the ideal presidential way to speak and carry yourself. Now, I also admire Donald Trump's fucking I don't give a fuck attitude. And I'm going to tell you how I feel. And this is how it is. And deal with it. And, and uh, I, I have neither of those. Well, maybe I have a little bit of that I don't give a fuck attitude. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Well, as I'm getting older, though, I'm starting to filter a lot of that shit out. But, I mean, I did for most of my life. But, um, 
qualities I wish I had? Uh, that's, that's kind of a difficult question. Yeah, of course, I'm it is a very difficult myself. question. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it is a difficult question, but I think you, you pointed, I mean, you made a couple of good points talking about Barack Obama's candor, you might say. He had a, he had a definitely had like a theatrical cadence to his voice that I can't say I thought was authentic, but what he did do is he had a the way he spoke seemed considered. Mm-hmm. It was slow enough that he seemed like he was thinking thinking it through and being deliberate. Mm-hmm. And you appreciate that. You especially appreciate that from the leader. You want somebody a careful thinker, yep. careful speaker. You know. Yep. I think uh, another thing that um, you know fuels that admiration in people is that if somebody is the leader and they've got a bunch of shit going on, like crazy shit that they have to handle, and they're still, you know rock solid, you know, slow and steady and not worked up. That makes you like this guy, he's like got things under control. A hundred percent. Yeah. And I do admire that. I think that I, I think that I'm like that. I think I'm good under pressure. Yeah. Uh, but I think we can all always be better. Patience is another one. Yep. Um, I have a mixed experience with patience, but that's another one. If you see somebody handling something really difficult, you know, it's a great point, and yeah. they just keep enduring. Um, but the thing, the, the thing that comes to my mind when I when I think about what I admire in people, it's taking responsibility. Yep, and That's that a big one. and that was something that was like I remember teachers trying to like instill that in me, and I didn't. It didn't even I, the words didn't even make sense to yeah, me. What do you, like, yeah. what do you mean? It's like taking blame. Is that what you mean? <laughs> Is that what you yeah. mean? But in a way, yes. It's like somebody who's willing to be the guy. Yeah. It's like, you know, this rests on me. Mm-hmm. I'll take the punishment. I'll figure out how to fix it. You know, I'll take the initiative. The person who can shoulder the biggest burden on purpose, yep. you know, that I admire. And the thing about that is there's not really an end to that. Because if I say I admire the person that handles his shit and uh, can handle more shit than everybody else... All I can do is try to handle more shit if I want to be more like that. And where's where's the upper limit? Where does it stop? It's like, man, I'm just going to drown in shit eventually just trying to take on responsibility. But the people who can do it and manage it, you know, and juggle it and then succeed, mm-hmm. it's like it like reminds me of like racing down a, a racetrack, just barely in control of the situation. Yeah. It's fun, but super dangerous. Yep. And something about that, it's like, that's what I admire. Yeah, I. I, I mean, I feel like it's a learned it. attribute. You can, you can, you can, you can change yourself into somebody very close to that with enough practice over time. Yeah, absolutely. If that you try, goes back to nature and nurture. The, I mean, can you? Can everyone? Can everyone be Steve Jobs? Mm. When was the no. la- When was the last time we had a president that took responsibility? When was the last time we we saw a politician? accept responsibility. Let me ask you that. Do you have any memories of a politician? It's about the same percentage. It's about the same percentage as every fifth grader that takes responsibility, I think. <laughs> yeah. Bud Dwyer was a Pennsylvania politician who, <laughs> who uh, committed suicide on live TV. So, Oh, shit. Yeah. Put I a remember that. He sure did. Did you, did you see that video, Josh? No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's from like the seventies. He he's, he's given a press conference and somebody hands him a, or he's got a Manila envelope and he opens it up. It's got a gun in it. And just 
takes care of it right there. That's owning responsibility in some way. I mean, you know. Hold on, he did what with the gun? He killed himself. He put it in his mouth and, and pulled the trigger. At the podium with everybody watching. No way. Yeah. On TV. Yes. Bud Dwyer. Yeah, look it up. Look it up. It's the, wow. It's the gnarliest thing. Yeah. What That poor man. What was going through his head? He was like, I, he's like, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this has got to end. I've, 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 I'm done. All right. So um, there's a related question to this question about what you admire. I think is maybe it's a more interesting question, but it's, it's de- equally difficult. We all have experiences with people or businesses or for that matter, organizations that do something that's detestable. They display a behavior that you see and you're like, yuck. Or you're like, no, uh uh-uh. It turns you off hard. There's some types of people like that that you're just like, this person is a schmuck, you know, whatever it is, disgusting. Something that you detest, like a character flaw. I I can't stand people that's judgmental about other people. I I, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm innocent of that. I'm not saying anybody is because uh, most people are judgmental at some some point. Yep. But I, people that do it in front of other people, I feel like that's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Can't stand that. See, I'm asking and, uh, you to be. Well, I'm, as, I'm asking you to be judgmental right now, but but not in the way that you have to think about. I'm not saying like you examine a person and you think really hard and you're like, you know what, this is sucks about them. I'm talking about something that stands out so obvious to you, it's like impulsive. You're like you just like recoil from it. Like what, what com- like what comes to mind to me is, you know, like people that are compulsive liars when you know mm. they're lying and everyone knows they're lying and they know they're lying and they just keep lying. Yeah, you know, or or people that don't take responsibility, like those mm-hmm. like those poli- oh, yeah. those politicians, like like Joe Biden who who has press conferences, you know, addresses the nation and all he all he's do- is doing is pointing fingers. Pointing fingers at, at you know anything and everything to avoid taking responsibility—it's like pathetic. And that, it, dude, that dude just oozes fucking pussy sissy energy, dude. Mm. It, that extends way beyond politicians. I mean, that's like that's your coworkers. It's like you, you got those guys, and it's like oh everything sucks, and I just nothing. You know, I don't. It's not my fault that I don't do any of this stuff right, and it's like well. I do. I'm here, and I, like I'm not using different equipment than you. I'm using all of the same equipment that you are, and for some reason, it works when I do it. Um, it's like so you're not taking responsibility. You're either dumb, which is I guess fine on some level, um, or you're making excuses um, because you just like can't take responsibility. Yeah. But what what are people afraid of? You know, I don't know. It's like. At all, at all costs, I can't be to blame for this. Like, what kind of instinct is that? It's like a run and hide in a hole instinct. It's like a rodent instinct. They're just scared of judgment, man. They're scared of people's judgment. They're scared of their image being tarnished. They're scared of all the things that uh, really don't matter. But these people are in the public eye so much. They're like actors or, or musicians. They want to. They can't. They can't take the chance of their image being tarnished so they'd rather lie or fucking not take responsibility but what about just normal people same difference they're peers that i mean they don't want to they don't want to look less than listen i get that there's some truth to that for sure i get that i'm gonna give you an example not a very specific example because it's happened way too many times to like even 
pick a one example. But this is something that's happened to me in my professional life. It's like over and over and over again. At some point, I'll be in a situation where I feel like I'm expected to know, and I don't. And when the, when the opportunity comes up to ask or to clear it up, I don't yeah. because I don't want people to know that I don't know because I feel like I'm expected to know. And it's made my life, I, I've had to find harder solutions that, to easy problems because I was too embarrassed to let people know that I didn't know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you definitely want to keep up appearances, you know, on some level of just, you know, that guy that you want to be, you try to put up that front and you don't want that front to crack. That's true. That's true. It's so stupid because the best way to be that guy is to resolve that problem and to be humble. I would have had to have been humble. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's just a lesson in that, man. There's a lesson in that. That's the, that's the admirable trait that we had to dig to get to humility, which makes sense. I mean, (laughs) humility is, is the kind of trait that you gotta, takes a while, you know? You know, speaking of that trait and putting a real personal touch on it, that's probably a bad idea, but I'll do it anyway. Uh, Christopher, when he was younger, he's much different now. Chris is much different now than he was. I mean, you know, pal, shit, you've been around him his whole life. Yep. Chris Chris is he was always been super smart when it comes to like school and books and all that shit. But when he was a younger man or a child, he was really common sense dumb. When it comes when it came to like street stuff or you know, just like common sense things that that I thought well, I was older than him too, so maybe I'm being a little too judgmental. <laughs> but like the social you stuff, know, social I, intelligence? Yeah, kind of. I guess, yeah, that's a, you could say that. So, and I always thought, how is this kid so smart and so dumb? <laughs> I thought, you know? But then, but then, you know, I'm, 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 let me give me a chance. In the last 10 years, it's, it's almost 180. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's, he's pretty much got it together completely in both ways. And, and, his, and you know, and being smart as far as his knowledge on things, and then also being smart in, a social setting mm. with, you know, things. And he never would admit when he was younger that he didn't have it together when it came to these street smarts or social things. He would always just shrug it off and make an excuse. But, you know, maybe that was just being young. Maybe I'm off Maybe I'm off base here. But, I mean, that's something I noticed change in him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the last 10 years or so. Yep. So, so I mean, I don't know. No, so I, 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 I even... it's, it's vague, but I kind of know what you mean. And this is what, this is the image that comes to my mind when you say that. Like, I'm the first person to say that being naive has, has caused the most pain in my life. And that's what Josh is talking about. Mm. It's, uh, and there's, there's a little bit of um, bravado and stuff that gets painted over it to like, so that I can protect myself from the truth, the truth of it. I was naive about lots of stuff and it's burned me in the past. Um, but you wouldn't admit it, right? No, 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 of course not. Cause I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to not, you know, where was I going? What was I saying? That naivety We're has burned you a lot. Naive yeah, I was going somewhere with that, but I, but that's the truth. I absolutely was. And I, and I was embarrassed to admit it, but live in life and getting burned, 
that's what it, oh uh, that's what it was and it's coming back to me now so living life and getting burned because I was naive um, it, it it like it takes some people longer than others it takes some people certain experience you know how like some people learn differently than others you mm-hmm. know it's the same thing with life experience when you're learning the social things when you're learning you know that part of life um, some people learn it better you know and, I, and some there's some things you have to learn the hard way you know that and so that's what happened to me but what, what Josh is talking about I think this is what come to my mind when he was talking the Lion King alright so <laughs> you know how in the Lion King when Simba is growing up uh, in the in the wilderness with Timon and Pumbaa, right? He's growing up. He's supposed to be this king, become this king, right? But he's like this. He mm-hmm. wants he wants to avoid responsibility. He leaves, you know. He's doing his own thing. He he grows into a man. Mm-hmm. He grows into a man, but he still has this puppy dog face, you know. He still has this puppy dog face, and then um, he has to battle Scar, and he finds out that Scar killed his father, and then he his face changes. And, oh, he, really? and then he has this Mustafa face. He has huh. his dad's face. He has this somber, stoic, angry, you know, like threatening face. And there is absolutely a sparkle in the eye that's associated with some kind of like innocence that children have. And it slowly fades away. And when Josh was describing that, I was seeing my face like like Simba going from Simba face to Mustafa face that twinkle was sort of dulling and I and I had become hardened by life um and it's not a it sounds kind of like a bad thing but it's not a bad thing it's it's it kind of is a bad thing but it's also a good thing man no i think you i don't know if you remember but something that me and Matt and other people always used to say about you is that you're like a white knight that you like you know you're uh, and we always kind of meant that as like a compliment like um because, I mean, I'm sure if you look at how you are compared to, like, how I am or <laughs> yeah. how Matt is, yeah. there's a definite, like, um, uh, a, a positivity, I will say, you know. Uh, and I think that that helps you. I don't, th- I don't think it's good to constantly be negative. And, uh, you know, back then I think I thought it was cool, you know. Uh, yeah, you know, you look at... Um, you know, just a, a bunch of pe- people who are like nihilistic or cool, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think it helps you. I don't think it's a, it's been, I don't think it's a beneficial like frame of mind mm. for most people. Some people I think it works for. I'm with you. I'm with you. So anyway, Josh, what, what do you think about that idea of, uh, of, oh, I, I don't know how, what, what other way to put it other than it's like growing up. It's like becoming a man more fully. It's there's a change that takes place well, in you when you realize. Okay, well, I mean, I can say this about. I'm, I can only speak from personal experience, obviously. Um, <clears throat> now, you you'll never give me the credit. I know you won't. No, nor will Jenna. But I had to be grown up very young. Yeah, of course. Because my mom, you know, you know, mom wasn't the best mom, and dad wasn't around. And they would always pep talk me, especially dad and Uncle Jim. They would pep talk me about how I had to be protective. I had to be, I had to teach you and Jenna the way to the world. I had to be the one that was there because my dad wasn't going to be there. My mom wasn't going to be, well, she was there, but she wasn't. And I had to be the one. And, you know, what? <clears throat> there was a couple situations I can remember perfectly uh, I don't know how old you were. You were still riding the bike. 
And you wanted to, you, you wanted to, well, you never admitted it, but I would catch you at certain places that were dangerous places that I knew were dangerous places that I have had physical conversations and I had been robbed and I've had, you know, my shoes stolen at gunpoint and you're just riding your bike over there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're five years younger than me and me telling you, get the fuck out of here. And, you know, maybe mm. hit me up, maybe try to, you know, make my point in any way I could. And you thought I was just being a bastard. Mm. But I wasn't, dude. I was really trying to look out. And and I know you'll never give me credit. And that's fine. I don't expect you to. And the same thing with Jenna. You know, I, I would tell her she couldn't, you know, I didn't like these certain people. That you don't be around these people that, you know, fuck that. And obviously she didn't listen. And obviously you didn't listen. But, you know. No, listen. <clears throat> I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I am going to give you credit for it. And I'm going to say that... Uh, in retrospect, I never I never saw it that way because I never actually thought about it since I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like until just now. So I'm imagining you like a sheepdog. You know what I mean? Like trying to keep Jenna and I safe. Like a sheepdog, you know, continuing to corral us and keep us away from all the danger that you knew was out there. Like protecting us from the outside world. And that's a lot of... I tried the best I could. That's a and lot of responsibility. You know yeah. It is. And you know what else? I, I mean, if you, I don't know if you remember this because it, you were really, really young. You were still going to the elementary over there. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know what grade you were. But I left the house 40 minutes early and walked you guys all the way to to that street that, that school was on. Then I had to walk all the way back by my house to my house. <laughs> and I did that for two whole school years. To make sure nobody fucking jumped you or fucked with you in that walk. Yeah. You're sweet. And, You're you know sweet what I mean? And how could that be perceived, perceived as anything else but being protected? I mean, that was me trying to make sure that y'all were good. That's all. That's See, that's an interesting perspective, and I appreciate you putting it that way. I had no idea that uh, Mom and Dad and, and <laughs> Uncle Jim or anybody put that kind of pressure on you to be like a parent. I, I had no idea. But, the, but it... it when I said I wasn't to give you full credit for it, I guess what I mean is I was still naive about that up until 20 seconds ago. That means you did such a good job of protecting me from that that I didn't realize I was walking around the edges of the, you know, the, you know, the, of, of danger, let's say, that I was right on the edge of that and you were, and you were keeping me, you know, keeping me from going over. I didn't realize oh, that dude, until just now. You were in the now. jungle. <laughs> you were in the jungle, dude. You were in the jungle. Dude, that neighborhood until, we grew up in. Like we like we were okay in the area, but you just go like one street over, man, and it really changes. Oh, like yeah. there's that I don't know the street Elaine. I don't know if you remember that one. That was a rough street. Oh yeah, I, 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 that's where I hung out. That's my stopping <laughs> ground, and and that's where I caught fucking Chris. I don't know if you were with him. Somebody's riding the bike with him. There's two of y'all, and you were over there, fucking twelve years old, in Sitting Square, and on your bike. And I'm like, do you want to keep your bike? I was probably, do you want to keep your fucking shoes? Get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? I was, I was probably wearing you know, a durag. I remember one time, one, one time I caught Christopher by himself uh, over there. I was figuring he, he was doing something weird. I think it was rollerblades. I don't know what it was. But he was over there on that church on Elaine. You know that church right there? No, not on the lane on that. Oh, shit. What that fucking street? We probably shouldn't be talking about street. Yeah, streets, it's actually. fine. It's whatever. Uh, but the street that you turn off of Livingston that takes you down to the lane, 
I forget what it's called. Dundee. But it doesn't matter. Keep going. There's a church over there. And, it, and it's like uh, there's a lot of rails and uh, fucking uh, parking, parking blocks and, uh, and just stuff that, you know, I used to skate on my skateboard over there. And I think that, I think I had taken you over there one time trying to teach you on the skateboard, but you didn't like it. You didn't catch on or whatever. Nope. And uh, But I was with you, so I felt like you were all right. But then I caught you over there by yourself. Oh, God, dude, I was so fucking pissed. I don't, I don't know what I did to you. I think you did cry. But I had to get you the fuck out of there. I mean, there was like 16 fucking high school dudes, whack dudes, big old monsters, fucking 100 feet from you. And you're just naive as all shit. I was, yeah. I was. You know? And, and, I, and I was so mad. I was just riding my fucking skateboard or bike or whatever by, and I see you over there by yourself. And I, and I must have screamed at you. I, I don't know if I hit you or grabbed you by your hair. I don't know what I did. You hated <laughs> I me. poked you in the you, eye. You I gave you a wedgie. You, you, you hated me for like a month. But you like hung you, out you there? You really hated me. See, that's, that's where my mind went. It's like you were hanging out there, though, Josh? Dude, that's why. That's why I kicked it my whole fucking life, bro. That was that was my spot because I wasn't afraid of, none of those people. I went to school with those people. But see, and so, so, so this is this is the thing that comes to my mind is like you you had to protect Jen and I from that, and I completely understand that there's there was some significant risk there that I was completely naive to. But the thing is, you were only a couple years older, and uh, who was who was keeping an eye on you, man? You were you were you were in those dangerous places that you were trying to keep me from. It, that was because that was my experience. I've been robbed at gunpoint four times for starter coats and shoes. They took my shoes at Walnut Ridge during during snow. We were out there sledding on snow on Ridge Hill. Oh, no. And I got fucking robbed at gunpoint walking home. They took my shoes. I had to walk home in socks in the snow, bro. It was a long walk. You know, yeah. so much shit has happened to me over in that area. You know, coats getting took, getting beat up by 14 people, getting my shoes took, getting my bike stolen, always getting fucked with. You know, until until like the sixth or seventh or eighth grade, where I turned into an absolute lunatic, and I would just punch you for looking at me wrong, and I'm I kind of got a reputation for being savage, and then I quit getting fucked with. Mm. But I didn't want you and Jenna to have to deal with it. You oh my God, you, it was like my worst fear. You didn't you didn't want me and Jenna you, you that you would put my that you would put my clothes on because you always did, yeah. and my shoes. And be walking to fucking Leewood and somebody fucking robbing you and putting a gun in your temple. Like, I was so scared, bro. That was, you know, like I had to, well, you, you I had to be an adult well, you at get, fucking you, 14. Listen, you get, you get, you get credit for keeping me from having to become a lunatic. So you get credit for that. That's a big deal, man. Because but I, I tried to also prepare you to be a lunatic. You know, I tried to make you fight. I tried to play with you hard. I tried yeah. to teach you how to punch. I tried to teach you how to be crazy. Because I thought that's where you were headed. Yeah. Because you had, if we wouldn't have moved, you would have had to be like that. Welcome to Thunderdome. So, Josh, when you guys moved out of that neighborhood to the next neighborhood that you lived in, you could like continued hanging out with uh, the people from the old neighborhood? Yes, I like did. Like that continued still, to be your thing. You never really like fucked. Did you like hang out with people from Groveport? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. But I always had, you know, Jim Jackson and Cribble and all those people that that lived over there and still live over there. Yeah. You know, I would I would ride my hydraulic car and shit over there and hang out okay. all day. 
Yeah, I, I, I always forget that you were older yeah. and you could drive. Hey, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I literally forgot a topic that I wanted to ask Josh about. I meant to write it down on this piece of paper. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you'll remember. But I completely forgot. <laughs> but you got reminded. And then Josh said hydraulic car. Yeah. And it popped in my head. Sorry, Josh, I have a question. Can I ask you about hydraulics real quick? All right. All right. So I just remember watching Cheech and Chong, and they had a hydraulic car. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when Cheech and Chong came out. I know there was a couple of those movies. Maybe it was late seventies. Maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe it was eighties. I don't yeah, remember. Seventy four and seventy seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is. I listen, man. This is like going to border on culturally insensitive, but I'm asking a genuine question here. All right. So for the if, right. for the audience who doesn't know, um, my my brother had several cars with hydraulic switches. Um, you know, them. you know, like like show cars. You take them to the show. You bounce them around for people, and everyone's doing it and having a good time. I, I, no, I wasn't no trailer queen, bro. I didn't go. I drove my car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So there's a whole a car show. I parked a, my car in the parking lot. Walked in the car show. So there's a whole bunch of uh, a car show culture that Josh is talking about right now. Like I stepped on toes. I never even meant to. Um, so I don't know anything about that. But the point is that he was into that for many years and built the built those cars. And you know, we weren't we, we weren't. We didn't have a lot of means, so it took like time. It was a big project. He put a lot his heart and soul into a lot of those. Before you could really utilize the internet the way you can now, too. It's not like you were watching YouTube videos, you know. No, no, hell no. Absolutely. And so the the, the types of cars that you were doing that to, they were like seventies cars, sixties and seventies cars. I guess is what is mostly what you saw, and uh, when Cheech and Chong, when I saw it in Cheech and Chong, it was like a seventies car. Presumably that was set in the seventies, if, even if it wasn't filmed in the seventies. I think it was. So here's my like limited knowledge of it, and I, the question I'm trying to get to is, where did it come from? How did it get popular? And and the cultural conne- right. the, well, the cultural connections, because clearly there's like a Mexican thing, because Chi and Chong, right? There's it's clearly connected to Mexico. Yeah, I mean that's where that's where it all began. It all began with Mexicans wanting to have their cars low, and it was against the law to have your car too low so they would put air plate the hydraulics that put the wheels down on air caps oh. they use those to when they saw a cop to raise it up and and, what, it, and, and it just evolves from there to bouncing in well you don't need all that extra shit but that's where it originated so it originated on 1950s cars okay like you know those old 50s cars where it originated where it got popular for me and for Caucasians mm. I think was when hip hop culture really took over and the chronic came out and the video for nothing but a G thing. And yeah. And you know, the doggy style album came out and all that shit. And that wasn't when I got into it. That's when I first saw it. And I remember watching boys in the hood and screaming for dad to come. And we're on Livingston Avenue. Yeah. I'm screaming for dad. What is this? To come in here. Huh? You you wanted to ask him what it was? Yeah, I yeah. didn't know what kind of car it was. Dad, Dad, what is that? What kind of car is that? And he goes, "That's an old Chevy. That's a '64, '63 Chevy in power." And I was like, "Oh my God, it's the greatest fucking thing I ever seen." You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like 13 or 14 or whatever. Yeah. And uh, when I got when I finally made my mind up because I was infatuated with with the lowrider culture by the age of 13 or 14. And uh, 
when I got to when I finally got the means to uh, do it, my buddy, you know, hey, hold, Gribble, hold, he, on, hold on, hold on, let me hold on, let me pump the brakes because we're getting too deep into this. But I want to go back to uh, what you said earlier. You said you said it started it started in Mexico and then I and then I I assume no it started in America it's an American thing it's okay not a Mexican thing. okay well you you said lowering the the car lowering thing was illegal in Mexico I thought you said it was in Mexico okay so were they lowering their cars like for aerodynamic purposes the way you see on like you know NASCAR or were they doing it just because they like the way it looked just because they like the way it looked okay. And it was illegal, so they found a way to like pop it back up if they were going to get a ticket for it. I, I got you. Yeah. Um, so so it went, so it traveled from. I, I guess I, I had this picture in my mind of it starting in Mexico, going into California, getting picked up in the rap scene, and spread to the rest of the world by that. But you're, you're, yeah, but you need to stop saying Mexico because low rider culture is American culture. They don't okay. do that shit in Mexico. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so okay. Keep going then. Go ahead. So you finally, where you want me to start? Where it began again? No, no. You said you finally had the means to do it yourself. So where were you going? Oh yeah, I finally had the means to do it myself, but I didn't know any shops that did it. I didn't know anything about how how to install it or how it works. You know, I didn't even have a license yet. <clears throat> and my buddy took me over <clears throat> uh, by Eastland Mall. Well, I'm, I'm giving landmarks again. Anyway, over there, behind there. And uh, to this place, and it was called Timex Hydraulics. It was some dude from like Compton, and he had just a hole in the wall shop, but he knew how to install the shit, so he was the only game in town. And we used to ride our bikes over there to look at the cars. We would just ride our bikes over there to look at the cars. We were young, and uh, we got to a relationship with the Timex dude because we were the kids that were always around checking shit out. Yeah. And so he would talk to us, you know, and, uh, you know, he'd show us shit and, you know, he, he kind of taught me the basics, how it worked <clears throat> and he went out of business and I was sad and, um, fucking fast forward a few years. Now I got a license. I'm driving a, uh, <laughs> that car that sat in the driveway that never ran. It was a four Caprice four door. Do you remember that, that I built? I had about the. It was like red with flakes, flake paint oh, yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 inch and shit. Uh, but it didn't have no hydraulics or nothing. And uh, I was driving that around and it got stolen, whatever. A few cars got stolen. I had a nice Bonneville with triple gold dagies that got stolen, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I, in that same area where Timex Hydraulics was, we would just ride by just to see what's going on. Is he back? Is he not back? Whatever. And there was a new shop. Shorty, you know Shorty, yep, right. My buddy Shorty hit him up hydraulics, and they <laughs> start, and they, they they you know that's what they did. It was a hydraulic shop, and to me it was like an answered prayer because boom, you know, here's another place doing it, and it's just this little kid, little white dude from the south end that's good with metalwork. He knows how to do it. He drives a '64 Impala. I mean, this kid's the shit. And then the more I would, then anyway, I got some, I got some built, you know, had a few cars, whatever. We'll skip all that stuff. But when I started going to the shows with Shorty, mm-hmm. there was nothing but white people. Oh yeah, there was no black people, there was no Mexican people. It started to become a white boy thing. Yeah, and it was a white boy thing. The whole time I did it, it was a white boy thing. 
there wasn't any any other cultures around in these car shows. Sure. It was only white people, which well, I know it's probably hard to believe for you, Chris, but that is the truth. And yeah. it becomes separate. It yeah. became separate. The, 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 the black guy thing was putting the big giant wheels on it and the TVs and all that shit. And the Mexican thing was more of a muscle car thing. That's what they like. That's what they do in Mexico. Mm. They like the muscle car thing. And the white boys like the lowrider thing. And it never goes out of style. I mean, the lowrider thing's been around since the 70s, and people are still doing it hardcore. They're still, I mean, dude, I'd get the lowrider man tattooed on my face like, if I could. Like, I love that shit. Like, that's just in your blood. Once you, once you take on that lifestyle, you can't get rid of it, bro. It doesn't go away. Like, I still get half a chub looking through a lowrider man. <laughs> I love that shit. If I ever had the means to do another one, Chris, I would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, those, I remember you had the, uh, the picture drawn up on your wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember when Chris did that, uh, that sketch on your wall? Yeah. The, 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 the cartoon guy flip, hitting switches. It was really good, as I remember. Uh, I also remember. Do you remember what? No, oh, go ahead. Do you remember when I had every lowrider center fold like wallpaper all over the, <laughs> the walls oh, in the basement? I, I didn't until you br- until you brought it up. Yes, I do now. Yes, <laughs> dude, I love that shit, dude. There's nothing like I have. I have more passions for lowrider lowrider shit than anything almost like ever, that I can think of in my life. What do, What are you passionate about, like that, Kyle? Music. Yeah, music, um, history, you know, just, the, I don't know, the kind of, like, particular brand of history and philosophy that I'm into. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, probably samesies. Yeah. Probably, probably samesies. Uh, but you mentioned getting a bunch of cars stolen, Josh, and that reminds me of a story that's been told on this podcast before, but I'll tell it again. Um I was spending the night over at your guys' house and we were, me and Chris were being fucking dorks in the middle of the night, deciding that we were going to get up on the roof to watch the sunrise. So we went to the garage to get a ladder and we bumped your car and it made like a beep beep noise and you came fucking barreling in there, man. Like you were about to, you know, rip somebody limb from limb, obviously. Yeah. Do you remember that? Well, I was scarred. Dude, I had cars stolen so much that... You know, I heard that shit, dude, and I was on the murder path. Yeah, you were. And then, he, and, then, and then just for the audience's sake here, then he bursts in the garage, right? In the middle, it's like, it's like for all intents and purposes, the middle of the night. And Josh bursts through this, we get this angry look on his face. The garage door is closed, it's dark, we have the light on, it's just like this, the, the weirdest scene you could imagine. You get wake, woken up in the middle of the night with this, this alarm going off, and you run in there like, Ready to ready to for anything, and what you see is two like deer in the headlights kids carrying <laughs> a ladder. <laughs> oh. And by the way, by the I way, remember car, I remember the car too. That car didn't even have hydraulic. That mm. was a it was a '86 Monte Carlo SS. Yeah, it was blue with the. I remember the car that had the alarm. Like I remember, I, I remember the story. Please. And and just so everyone knows, when you get up on the roof. You still can't see the sunrise. No, not, 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 not from where we were. Uh-uh. Yeah. No. So. Yep. Yeah, that's a funny story. So, lowrider culture. I didn't. I, I don't think I realized it was that big of a thing for you. I knew you liked that kind of stuff. I, I guess I should have realized you did have a, a bunch of nice cars. 
Oh yeah, dude, I fucking love it. If I ever get the means again, if I ever, I mean, and it doesn't even got to be a lot of money. Let me get, let me run into about ten G's, and I'm shit. I'm putting together some sick shit because I know enough people. I don't have to pay full price for nothing. I, I got, I can get a deal on pretty much anything. If I ran into a little bit of money, bro, I'd have a car built in two months. Do you? Ha- is there a specific car that you would buy? What? Is there a specific car you would buy? A specific car I would buy. <clears throat> if you came into there's, a little bit of money. There's a few different ones. There's a few different ones. Is, is, it, is it a lowrider I'm building or am I building like, what am I building? You're the one building it, man. You tell me. Uh, well, I mean, I, I like muscle cars and shit too, but, uh, yeah, yeah. but if I'm building, it's two different cars. It'd be two different things depending on what I'm building. If I'm building a lowrider, I really like, I really like, um, uh, probably anything from a 58 to a 64 Impala. Any one of them. 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64, Chevy Impala. Preferably convertible, but I can deal with hard top. Gotcha. That would be my ideal car to start with from building a hydraulic car. But then again, I would be just as happy with a 94 Cadillac Fleetwood or an 80 fucking 6 Cutlass. You know what I mean? There's a bunch, a bunch of different stuff. But, I mean, uh, if, if, if I could point out my one single favorite to build a lowrider out of, oh, man, a 64 convertible one power, maybe. I'm looking at that. Think that has to be it? I'm looking at it right now. It's a good-looking car. The, I'm looking at the convertible. <clears throat> I like the convertible, but I'm looking at one. Man, it looks like an old Cadillac. Is this a Cadillac or is this an Impala? I think it's an Impala, but uh, it's uh, it's – dope man it's pretty dope i don't see i like the uh i, I don't necessarily like the like the low rider aesthetic i i kind of like the regular impala i think is pretty sweet i mean i do like the low rider but like this here doesn't really do anything for me <laughs> the, the one we're looking what at, are you looking at what year are you looking at the one we're looking at has the it, it's lowered in the back to where it looks like it doesn't have a back tire at all it's got that shield over the over the tire oh, so you can't on a fender skirt. Yep, it's got that. So you can you can literally not see the back tire, not even a little. The the front. But is, what year is it? It is a sixty four. Yeah, sixty four. Well, it's I wouldn't like, put fender skirts on my sixty four. Yeah, here's another one. Here's a uh, here's one that's got the skirts on it, and it's a uh, convertible. It's got the soft top up. It looks like it's it's a good looking car. If you want to show Kyle a lowrider, type in fifty nine Impala convertible lowrider. Show Kyle that shit. All right, here we go. Fifty nine Impala. Oh yeah, that's an interesting car. That is, yeah. I like the blue one. Yeah, it's got those uh, those wings in the back. What are they called? Fender skirts. Yeah, but the wings go outward. They're not like a Bel Air. They're different. Yeah, they're, oh, you're talking they're, about they're interesting. Yeah, they, they're interesting. It looks like an airplane. It looks like. But I mean, thing. really, I mean, for convenience. See, that would be my ideal body style, but it would take so much money to get it right. You have to change everything. I think for convenience, I think my favorite would have to be like a T-top cutlass, like an 86 or 87, yeah. 85, 86 T-top cutlass, you know, something like that. Something, something that's drivable because the technology came a long way from 64 to 85. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that that definitely be a lot more drivable and a lot less work to get it right. So yeah, I would probably pick if you know at this stage in my life, I'd probably pick a Cutlass over Impala just because 
that's what I had before. And I know that they're really drivable with hydraulics and they don't really break too much. And that's what I'll probably pick. Mm. And if, and if you, and if you had to do the muscle car, which, what, what, what would you go with? <clears throat> oh man, 68 charger probably. I'll be, I'll probably go Mopar first. I'll probably go 68 or 69 charger. like it's a Harry car. It's like my favorite oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but then if I couldn't get all of that because they're rare, because you know, all these fast and furious movies crash them all up. Yeah. But, they're rare and they're like they're real expensive to get one out. I'll probably get probably a Chevelle, maybe maybe a '67, '68 Chevelle. I like Chevelles. Or, uh, uh, you know what I like? This is gonna. This is one of those moments where I'm, I'm afraid that when I say it, I'm gonna get shit for I it and be embarrassed. He probably does. Um, I when I when I look at muscles muscle cars, there's lots of gorgeous cars. We've talked about some of them already. You you might like better than this what I'm about to say, and I don't blame you. But this is one that stands out to me. It's the early '70s Mustang Mach One. Wow. Nah, they've been sweet if you do it right. They've been sweet because they got they, the Mustang. It's in the '70s cars got big, you know, and it's kind of a big Mustang. But it's unlike it. Just I just something about it I like, man. It's a pretty car. I thought you were gonna say a five point Oh yeah, but we're talking about muscle cars. Yeah, right? I, I mean, I guess you. I... Well, do you know what? Do you know what? You know the sickest seventy Mach one I've ever seen was the one from John Wick. I, everyone brings up John Wick. I did see John Wick, but I just barely remember it. It was a badass car. I like uh, I've I've liked the Charger ever since I saw that first Fast and the Furious movie. You know oh, that yeah. Charger that Dom had. I was like that. Yeah, the one in the cool garage with the car, blow on it. Yeah. Or that '69 Shelby, yeah. Shelby Mustang from uh, from uh, Gone in 60 Seconds. Yeah, yeah, uh, Eleanor. I've never been yeah, a big Eleanor. car guy. Eleanor, yeah, that. But there was a lot of modifications under that Chris. That's not stock. Mm. It was a gorgeous car. It's a good looking car for yeah, sure. Yeah, that had like a body kit and molded fender flares and mm. offset wheels. Mm. And, like mm-hmm. that was a completely. That's not something you can just go by. You have to build Eleanor. I want to make that Tim Taylor noise, but I can't make it right now. <laughs> you know they sell. They they do. There's a company that sells those Eleanor cars that are that are just look just like the movie car. They sound just like the movie car. No, they they're built. They, they look just like the movie car. They're, they're, they're copies of Eleanor. I, I would totally. And they sell them for like fucking fifty grand or sixty grand. Or oh something. really? Oh shit. Yeah. Well, pretty cool. But it does. So it's not unachievable. You can Google search that shit, find the company, and buy one. Like but it's not unachievable. Hey, hey, Josh, we're we're running right yeah. we're running right up on time. Uh, so I'm trying to think of like what other topics we can squeeze in in the next ten minutes. But I want to ask you a question that I just been wondering. I might have asked you this last time too, but I want to ask you again. What's it like living in the country now, man? Uh, it's prettier. It's quieter. You know me, I don't really, I don't get into much anymore. So, do you appreciate? Uh, do you appreciate it being hell, hell of a lot different from living in the city? Really, it's just got to drive further to get there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess you really haven't been there during like good weather, but uh, it'd be interesting to see what you have to say if you're like drinking your coffee out on the on the patio, and you know, it is it's gorgeous there. So, yeah, I do that anyway. Rain, clear, or snow, but I'm always sit out there and drink coffee. Nice, nice. Okay, um, so it's prettier, and you got to drive farther to get things. Okay, case closed. All right, here's here's a. Oh boy, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. I I basically have a couple of things I know are gonna take too long, 
and uh, I have and I have a couple of things that uh, are going to be too complicated. So let me ask you a lighter question, Josh. Oh boy, I don't know if this can take too long either. I wanted to ask about your best and worst drug experience. My best and worst what drug experience? Drug experience? You got it. Okay, huh. that's easy. The worst <laughs> was acid. Uh, I took uh, uh, my dude had a, like a couple sheets of uh, paper acid and uh, gave me one. I was like, oh, it doesn't work. You know, an hour later, I'm like, I'll give you another one. And he did. And I'm like, oh, shit, don't work. And he gave me like a whole strip. And it ended up taking way too much. I took like 18 hits. Oh, no. And, uh, yeah, when it kicked in, it was awful, 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 bro. Like, I was, I watched the digital clock tick for like seven hours. Where were you? The digital clock uh, I was at, um, Purple had an apartment over there by the Y. Okay. Over there by the Freedom Share House. Was it like, was it just you guys, or was it like the people over, or? There was a whole bunch of people. Oh, like, no. Yeah, there, it started out being really funny. Uh, my dude Jimmy was sitting in front of the TV with the with the controller for the video game, sitting in the inside, rocking back and forth, and the TV wasn't even on. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, and my dude Shanga walked up to him and said, "I already tried, and it doesn't work." So <laughs> <laughs> I fell the fuck out. And then we played spades underneath the table. There was like eight people sitting in the inside, oh, underneath no. the kitchen table playing. But, oh yeah, it was crazy. But then it got awful. That that was my worst drug experience. What can you describe? Like what was awful about it? Like what when you said you were staring at a digital clock? What were you seeing when you were staring at that digital clock? The numbers. <laughs> or the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the numbers. I was waiting for thirty-one to turn to thirty-two, and thirty-two to turn to thirty-three. And, huh. and the whole time I was in an awful panic, sweating. I was in the room with all the lights off and the door shut, and the in the chair up against the door, so nobody could come in. Like, That's oh, crazy. it was, <laughs> was like the worst fucking thing. It was the, everything it was, was trailing. Like I was scared to move because everything leaves like left like a trail, like your hand in front of you, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, it, it like I got freaked out because I couldn't control what I was thinking. Mm. Any drug that fucks with my body, I can deal with. But as soon as I can't control my thoughts, it's over. That's too much. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> that, that might be so, con- that might be that would be my worst. It might be that observation might be connected to what we said earlier about feeling like you you have a body versus feeling like you are your body. Because if you have a, a drug experience like that, that makes you perceive your thoughts differently. Um, you know, especially if you have a psychedelic experience, it, it's likely that you might feel dissociated from your body. Dude, I I might very well enjoy it if I do it right. Yeah, I'm I sure. overdid it by like, dude, I took yeah. eighteen hits. That's crazy. Oh. Dumb, dumb. You know, uh, you know, and then being addicted to opiates for years was awful. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think that might have been worse, actually. I'm, I'm, I'll have to recant my statement. Yeah, you're right. Because that acid shit only lasted for one night. And, uh, you know, I was addicted to fucking pills for like six years, bro. And, uh, and waking up in the morning, waking up sick is no fun. No. I mean, as soon as you wake up, you're sick. No, that's terrible. And, uh, you don't feel better until you get it. And then you have to get on the phone and hit the streets to find it. And so you're sick for hours every morning. And It's like, it's like, uh, it's like what it used to be like for tribal people that had to do that 
for food or they would die. Yeah. It's like they wake up with hunger pains, they feel they're weak, and they have to get out there and Gotta find kill it. an animal yep. on the streets. Mm. I mean, there's a parallel there. For sure. That's terrible, man. Um, and my best drug experience yep. would probably be doing, I did a, back then they called it ecstasy. I think now y'all just call it Molly. But uh, I ask it, was, it, was probably, it was probably 2003, 2004. And we was at Red, White, and Boom. Or no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, Red, White, and Boom. It's a fireworks display for and, those uh, people that don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just fireworks show, you know, whatever. Uh, the biggest fireworks show of the city uh, or whatever. So I'm at, I'm at that, and I'm with all my friends. I was probably with 12, 14 people, and everybody was on it. Oh, God. And it was and it was the first time I did it. And it was that was the most amazing thing. The most amazing drug experience I've had. Yeah. So it's funny because so. it's funny because my because I agree with you. I think the mo- the most amazing, memorable experience uh, that I can relate to is was MDMA. It's the same same thing you're talking about. Um, but trying to imagine myself at a fireworks display with a bunch of people around, I cannot imagine. That does not sound like I would have had a good time does not sound like it would have well no because it's different because listen when you get to be over 30 when you get to be somebody that is more chill in the house the mdma thing kind of just sinks you in the couch and you just kind of like it's different Uh but when you're 22 when you're 22 and you're at red white and boom before you even drop it's completely different it's completely different Mm. well i'm I'm afraid i'm uh, I'm afraid i missed out on that yeah so you can't imagine yeah there's no you can't imagine taking acid in public. That that's, that would be like a no go for you. You think? No, I can't. No, no, I was at either of you. Yeah. No, I I, I can I can, I can imagine under the right circumstances. Yeah, I can imagine okay. doing that. It's all about the atmosphere. If you're surrounded with the right people, then it could be done. Everything is about atmosphere to me yep. when it comes to drugs like that. Set and setting. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I mean, and I don't do any drugs anymore. Like, I don't even smoke weed, so uh, it's been so long. I think the last time I, I, I fucked around, uh, <laughs> Chris gave me some Molly, uh, and I had a great time. I mean, it was all by myself, but whatever. I mean, it was, I still liked it because it was the first time I felt like that in 15 years. Mm. Um, and, I mean, that was pretty awesome, but... uh yeah, so I don't really fuck around. I mean, I know y'all y'all fuck around with that DMT, you know, all that crazy spiritual enlightenment shit. Like you find answers and all go on journeys and visions. I'm so scared to do any of that shit just because of the one bad experience I had with Trip. I just I don't know, man. I gotta applaud you guys for that stuff, man. That's that's there's crazy. A, well, there's there's a level of curiosity, you know. There's a level of curiosity, and we all have to recognize the power of curiosity. You know, curiosity will pull you to to do things that you wouldn't otherwise do, and uh, it's about it's about finding answers. It's about having experiences, and we're curious we're curious creatures, so that's part of it. It's definitely a level <laughs> of fear too. Like, you know, I've definitely pushed out. About, you know, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Sometimes conquering the fear, even even if it's just a matter of conquering your reservations about doing it and having that experience. Um, the fear, by the way, is a whole other interesting question. But to be able to conquer that fear and do it anyway, that's a that's a brave act. Yeah. A, you know, and I think you know, I think people like 
people like being brave. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel good. It does make you feel good, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. Well, I think we maybe we've come to the end of today's podcast. Josh, you got anything else you want to talk about? You know, I just, I'm, I'm a shoot from the hip, bro. I just go with what, I just, I never write anything down or nothing. I just talk. So, I mean, I don't really can't think of nothing. No, man. Oh, I do want to talk to you after after the podcast, though, Chris. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll do that. So hang on, hang on for the music. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on, man. I, Kyle and I both yes, said indeed. one of the things we wanted to do this season because we're now in season two is to have you on more. So we're gonna try to have you on more, man. Yeah. Cool. No problem. All right, bro. Here's the music. Adios. Peace. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties. But I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.